0: For
1: in, Sports Talk. Oh, thank you for tuning in to the 281st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, I want to thank you all for tuning in. Whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, IR Radio, SoundCloud, being recorded from Buffalo, New York as always. Gonna have a great podcast for you guys today. Going to have Landon Rhodes on host of the On the Road Sports Show that is on YouTube. Gonna talk to Landon about a lot of things. Landon was one of the actually uh one of the first guests I ever had when I started doing this podcast about Almost half a decade, maybe about four or five years ago. No, I'm just joking. Probably three to four years ago. But I'm going to have Landon on. We're going to talk some NFL, some NBA. Going to get into a lot of nitty gritty stuff. Uh, just going to chat it up with Landon and see how everything's going. Also some interesting things that he's doing. Probably talk a little bit about his show as well. And uh, let you guys know where you guys can find it if you want to check it out. But before we get to that, if this is your first time listening to the show, I want to say thank you. But also, what I'm going to ask you to do is subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, Facebook groups, Reddit threads, etc., etc. Also, subscribe to my YouTube channel, Daryl Lynn. I post five to ten minute clips of this podcast. I do NFL draft stuff. And I do my syndicate show, Outside the Shop, all on there. And also, if you want to check out the syndicate show, you can check out and follow... My Twitter, at Nitro underscore Lane. I'll say it again, at Nitron underscore Lane. Now that we got all those plugs out, let's remember the most important thing. If you have Apple or iTunes, ladies and gents, leave a five-star freaking review and a great comment. And for some odd reason, if you don't like the podcast, like how the hell could that happen? And then take a page what your mama told you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And without a do cut him next. Out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to get to Landon Road. Cut up next. Out of the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh. With Barbara Chuck, and we have a special guest who has not come on the podcast in a long time, Landon Rhodes. Landon, how you doing, man? Doing well, Daryl. It really
0: has been a while, but I'm delighted to be back on.
1: So the first thing I do want to talk to you about is, so you do your own sports show uh, on the road. It's on YouTube. I just want you to tell everybody like where they can find it if they want to listen to you.
0: So... Uh the road sports talk show it is on youtube at john carroll television currently uh and i'm still a senior at john carroll but um once i graduate i am anticipating uh continuing the show on my own channel but that's going to be a bit of a transition but uh i'm assuming the new channel will just be called on the road with landon roads once i get to that point
1: and just kind of talk about I think it's really interesting when you think about. It. Like, like, what are some of the the challenges? Some things you didn't expect doing your own show.
0: Um. Well, I mean, honestly, it's just like once you get your pointers down, it's pretty good to get into like a flow and stuff with your guests. Um, but it, you do have to kind of approach each guest a little differently. Because I started out interviewing uh, like high school friends, and I, I know them well, obviously. So like, I kind of know what to expect. But then like interviewing like i had royce young from espn the espn writer he um he's a great guy but like i don't know him personally and i know him a little better now but like when he came on the show it was like i it was kind of more of like feeling out like you know mannerisms like how how they talk and stuff for the back and forth conversation with your friends from back home it's just like you already know
1: what made you decide to do a sports show um i mean
0: i like expressing my opinions i think many people do but um i at least i feel like my opinions are pretty well thought out and well researched uh with sports um so i i want people to know my thoughts on things i want them to be able to express their own thoughts on my show and we can discuss it i think open dialogue about sports is just a really fascinating thing. I mean, I'm assuming that's uh, why, at least partially why you do this podcast. It's just, it's nice to bounce ideas off of people and just, you know, see uh, see if we're thinking along the same lines or maybe if we have differing opinions. It's always interesting either way.
1: You know, I would agree with you that, with that, Landon. I would agree with you that. I, I remember the flashpoint moment for me when I decided to start a podcast was my freshman year of college. And I was watching uh, the Celtics play, and it was when Isaiah Thomas, he like dropped fifty one of those games. It might have been when they were playing the Wizards, and I was like, and I was kind of like, you know, it's like, it's a Saturday or Sunday, I'm just kind of bored. I'm like, why don't I just start a podcast? I'm like, Max Kellerman and Stephen A. Smith, like, they just do it, and they talk, and I feel like half the time, some of these people that are talking don't know what the hell they're talking about, so why can't I do it?
0: Exactly, why not us?
1: So that's kind of how I started, but I definitely get what you're saying. So... What I want to ask you first is, so you're a big Packers fan. Uh, yeah. Last year during the NFL draft, they get Jordan Love. And I never—I don't think I've ever asked you about this. What were your thoughts of that pick?
0: Uh, I have like... Man, I had mixed feelings about that. Uh, I had a number of friends ask me about that. And the way they asked me about it felt like they were expecting me to rip into it. And... that's not really what it was. I didn't rip into it because I don't see anything wrong with developing a younger quarterback. I think using the first-round pick on it might have been a little bit questionable. But, I mean, we still have some years of Rodgers left here, and the, the feeling that has been kind of growing over the last few years is that he's starting to get a little fed up with the lack of help he's getting. And um, I do think they've addressed that a little bit with the running backs. I uh, like to be fair to the Packers. I think we got them some nice running backs. But as far as receivers, I I personally felt like that pick should have probably been a receiver. But nothing wrong with developing a young quarterback while your starter still has years in the tank. I mean, that's literally what they did with Rodgers, and look how that turned out. So. Is Jordan Love the next Rodgers? I think we need to hold our horses a little on that comparison. But from an age standpoint, uh, there are some similarities there.
1: Well, let's say instead of going up in the draft to get a Jordan Love, let's say they go up a couple spots higher and they decide, hey, let's get Justin Jefferson. How differently does the Packers' season look? Do they win that NFC Championship game if they have a guy like that, a playmaker like that?
0: I think uh, it's reasonable to expect that, honestly. I think... They were about one weapon away from a Super Bowl, um, Super Bowl championship. I don't know, but being in it, yeah, probably. Uh, I think one more serious weapon, especially someone like Jefferson, who was just outstanding last year. I think he could have made that difference. Yeah.
1: So when it comes to that choice by the Packers, and I think their whole draft class, I think none of their, I think there was like a stat, like none, nobody in their draft class actually played in the NFC Championship game, which was no, no. Which is kind of crazy. Like it's like zero value when you look at that. Could you see why like Aaron Rodgers would be a little upset? He'd be a little peeved off.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely get it because they're asking him uh, to. I mean, they're not exactly wasting the uh, end of his career, but they're certainly not bringing him help for the win now mentality. I mean, I'm sure Rodgers is. He has to be in the win now mentality. He's he's getting up there in age, so when You're stuck on a team whose draft picks do not reflect the win-now mentality. I mean, like you said, none of them played in in the uh, NFC Championship. So what does that mean? They're developing them for later years? All right, so clearly your team is not in win-now, but you have to be in win-now because you're pushing 40 years old here. So clearly they're not entirely on the same page about things like that.
1: And then you look at the other side, and he's looking at Tampa Bay, and they're like, oh, Antonio Winfield, oh, he's a rookie, he's playing, he's playing at a high level. Then you look at their, I'm forgetting his name, but the off to tackle they're like, oh, he's pretty good. And he's like, oh, like, they have rookies that are playing at a high level for them, and they end up winning the Super Bowl, and all of our rookies are, you know, on the bench or doing whatever.
0: Definitely, but I mean, that's why I say the first-round pick shouldn't have been the quarterback, because... I mean, your first rounder has the best chance, I would say, of making uh, a big first-year impact. So how are you going to use that pick on a guy that you know isn't going to get playing time? Like, That's like the one position on the Packers where you could say uh, no one drafted from this position is going to play this year, and you just used your top pick on that one position.
1: How comfortable are you as a Packers fan with Jordan Love sitting on the bench? I know Aaron Rodgers, he's playing at a high level. He was just the MVP at the football, goddamn, for last year, right? Uh, But how comfortable are you like, okay, we drafted this guy to eventually take over for Aaron. Eventually, it's kind of like it becomes a wasted pick if it gets the, you know, rookie first-round pick. He's going to have the four plus one, and it gets to, okay, we're at five years now. Is it three years? Like, like, what is it the point where, like, okay, we got to see what this guy has because we're not trying to waste picks here.
0: Um, as far as speculating when Love gets his shot, I mean, I would have to assume it's when Rodgers leaves or retires, whichever one it is, um, and at this point, anyone's guess which one that'll be. As a Packers fan, I'd love to see him retire a Packer, but that's a whole different conversation. Um, last year was clearly a developmental year because he didn't even play when the backups came out. He was still on the bench. Uh, He did not back Rodgers up last year. Um, The name of the Packers backup is not coming to me right now. But uh, number eight, um, he was the one that would come in as Rodgers backup. So Love playing last year was not even on the table. So this coming year will be interesting to see if he actually backs Rodgers up because last year he was just strictly bench warmer. He was not leaving that bench.
1: Well, I think if he's still the third string land, then I think that would tell you he's probably a scrub.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I would hope that he shows some kind of development. I think uh, expecting him as uh, QB2 in year two is not unreasonable as your first-round pick, but we'll just have to see.
1: But for you, what year would you be like in this process? Like, okay, I kind of want to see what Jordan Love has. Are you kind of like, let's wait till Aaron Rodgers is no longer good, or like he decides to leave or he retires, or you're fine with that? Or do you think there's a point where it's like, okay, like, where are we going here? We need to get this thing on the ball.
0: I mean, as long as Rodgers is still playing like he's playing now, I don't think there's any reason to put Love in. Um, if rogers is somehow showing significant steps backwards um then i guess you could give him a shot but i mean like you said he was MVP last year as long as Rodgers is playing like that i mean taking him to nfc championships and like do i think the difference between the nfc championship and the super bowl is swapping love for rogers absolutely not but if somehow rogers has like Clearly lost this step. And for the record, many thought he already had coming into last year. So that just shows the danger of giving up on someone like that too early. Um, Hypothetically, if somehow we drafted someone like Love uh, a year before we drafted Love, what if people were calling for them to get a chance last year and then we never get Rogers MVP year last year? It's like it's just a risky game to play with someone who's capable of what we know Rogers is capable of.
1: In your opinion, would you say Rodgers is still the best quarterback in the NFL?
0: Um, yes, skill wise, um, yes. Not I can't for overall go, I, I have to give it to Brady at this point. I used to I used to resist it, but <laughs> I, I can't really anymore. But just from like a talent perspective, yes, I think he is.
1: So when when, when when was your Brady moment that you were like, okay, you know, was it was it at four? Was it at five? Was it six? Was it at seven? When you're just like, okay, he's like, Jason, he just won't die. Let's just give it up to him.
0: It was after this most recent one because um, he kind of took all arguments of like the Patriots, like system kind of out of it. Um, there was always like how much of it was Belichick, how much of it was Brady. And now that's just out the window. Like. Now, did uh, Bruce Arians deploy a similar system to Belichick? Maybe. I mean, he, he brought Gronk down. He So, like, is he still a system quarterback? You could maybe say he still is, but he gets the job done in that system. And if it was so simple that you just win seven Super Bowls in a system, everyone would be running it. So clearly, or at least Brady's the only one that can run that particular system that effectively, I guess is what I'm saying. So system or not, he's the only one that can run that particular system that effectively.
1: So when you talk about him being the most talented quarterback in the NFL right now, do you think he's even beyond Patrick Mahomes in talent?
0: Um, Well, for me, like the talent, it's also with his reads and just overall like knowledge for the game. If, If you're asking me if I think he has, like, more arm strength than Mahomes, absolutely not. Like, Mahomes physically is superior to Rodgers, but, I mean, he's also much younger. And I just don't even think that's really a a fair comparison. And for the record, Rodgers still can scramble when he needs to. I cringe a little every time he does because I'm worried what's going to happen. But he's usually pretty good about sliding. But, no, Mahomes' physical gifts are probably the best in the NFL uh, for quarterbacks right now but I think when you put the whole package together making reads uh, just overall experience uh, and also I guess clutch I don't really know if you can quantify that into a stat but um, and obviously Rodgers is not always clutch we have some NFC championship issues we got to figure out but I think overall he's the most well-rounded
1: how does Patrick Mahomes compare to young Aaron Rodgers? Like 2011 Aaron Rodgers that won that, uh, league MVP coming off a super bowl MVP against the Steelers. How does Patrick Mahomes compare to that guy?
0: I think he is more advanced compared to that. Rodgers. um, Mahomes could very easily, uh, end up having a better overall career than Rodgers, especially if he's able to, uh, add some more super bowls, which I would assume he will. Um, but, yeah, I guess my answer to that would be I do think he's advanced compared to Rodgers at the same age.
1: So you mentioned the NFC Championship games. Uh, do you think, and now first of all, I'll ask you about this. The the most recent one. Uh, there was a decision. They decide to kick it instead of going for it late in the fourth quarter. A lot of people criticized Matt LaFleur. What were your thoughts on that? Was that a bad decision?
0: Yeah, um, I didn't see the Packers getting the ball back uh, after that honestly and and man my my big thing i know everyone wants to talk about that decision and that was i think a mistake by the coaching staff but if we really want to go back and look at something it's the two-point conversion drop by saint brown leading up to that that hit him in the chest and bounced out so you want to talk about some jordan love do i wish they drafted justin jefferson type thing there you go there's a moment for that you have Justin Jefferson there. I guarantee he catches that two-point conversion because Rodgers half the time is throwing the team janitors and stuff. Like, I don't know who these guys <laughs> are. But, <laughs> but, I mean, credit to Devontae Adams. And honestly, I think Valdez Scantley was decent at times. Um, but And they have some young guys. But it's just like they don't use the big picks on receivers. And he catches that two-point conversion. They don't even need to do that. They can kick the field goal. And that sends it into overtime. That is my big. That's my big mistake. But nobody remembers that. They just remember the final play. Same thing with that. Uh, what was it? Game one, Cavs versus Warriors. The last one LeBron took them to with Jr. Nobody remembers the fact that George Hill missed that free throw that would have also sealed the deal. They just remember that Jr. wasn't paying attention to the clock. So. Things lead up to the big moments that people forget a lot of times.
1: I think also part of the issue was that, you know, why they maybe need another elite playmaker is, I know Rodgers to Devontae, it's lethal, right? It's great. But eventually, like, teams are going to be able to stop that or slow that down. Like, if you keep doing one thing, one thing, you need to go to your second option.
0: Yeah. I I will say the development um, with uh, the tight end for the Packers is last year, and again the name. why am I not I'm kind of blanking on his name all of a sudden um, but the, um, he went to Iowa hold on let me look him up real quick um, sorry about this let's see um, you know who I'm talking about though number 85 yeah his
1: name is stopping me too I
0: oh Robert Tunyon there you go Robert Tunyon uh, Robert Tunyon was actually great last year, and he emerged as I think a legitimate second uh, second option to Devontae Adams. And I don't know. I just feel like that was a good sign. It's just the receivers themselves, man. Aside from Devonte Adams, I just don't. I don't know. I want to believe in Valdez Scantley. Like he makes like one good play a game, and then also like one like, absolutely horrible play that, like, cost us the game. Like, it's, he'll, like, catch, like, a 90-yard Hail Mary, but then with the game on the line, like, fumble and, like, give the ball up at, like, their own 20 or something. Like, it's just really frustrating. And he's a young player, but, and, like, I credit the Packers for attempting to develop these younger, mid-round, in some cases undrafted, players because sometimes you can find gems in there but it's just like and all these receivers are penny stocks like at some point you want like you want to get a tesla in there or something like a bigger stock in there like as like an example like you don't want to just hope that all one of these like five guys ends up becoming a diamond in the rough why not just use a first rounder who will probably be a solid nfl player Give Devontae Adams uh, a nice option on the other side to take some pressure off him.
1: Yeah, I know it's a good idea. You know, instead of looking for the 5'10 guy that, you know, runs a 4'6, why not look for the big six 6'5 freaking H who runs a 4'4? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I guarantee you Aaron can do some things with that guy. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't, and I mean,
0: back to Tampa Bay a little bit. Like, yeah, they got some uh, draft picks that were in the game too, but so... Not only did they do that, but they made trades, like free agency. They brought different guys in. So, like, the Packers, yeah, if we're not going to draft a guy, why not make some other moves maybe? like, And I love Mercedes Lewis, but, like, the guy, like, he is very old. Like, he's not, like, an explosive player for Rodgers. I think we need, like, a very, like, quick guy or a very, very tall guy or, like, a combination of both. I, I think that would like really change the offense in Green Bay like a lot. If we could get just like a Tyreek Hill or like or like someone like even like an Amari Cooper or something, like someone with some size. He's not the best in the world, but he brings he brings size.
1: So lastly what I do want to ask you about the Packers is this. So Mike McCarthy, their former head coach, kind of a moribund season with the Cowboys this year. How did you feel about the whole Mike McCarthy Uh, experiment running it back as a head coach with the Cowboys.
0: Um, like, how do I feel about them hiring him? Yes.
1: And was he the issue in Green Bay?
0: That is hard to say. I, I don't really hate Mike McCarthy. I, I appreciate he brought a Super Bowl to Green Bay. Um, I think he helped develop Rodgers early on. Um, I think there were just some frustrations overall that kind of resulted in that ending. But I totally understand why the Cowboys gave him a shot. I mean, he's been to the Super Bowl. He actually won the Super Bowl when it was held in Dallas with the Packers. Not that that's why they hired him. But, I mean, you're literally hiring a guy that's won a Super Bowl in Dallas, so that definitely doesn't hurt. Um, But it's just, I think he's an established name, and it's kind of just like, we will know very early on if this is working or if it's not. If if McCarthy continues kind of how the later Packers years were going, all right, this guy this guy's probably washed up. We should get uh, probably a new young head coach in here. But, you know, if there's some promise in the first couple years of the McCarthy era, it, that might reveal that McCarthy was not to blame uh, in Green Bay.
1: What do you think was to blame in Green Bay at the end of that relationship?
0: That's, I mean, that's hard to say. I definitely don't think in any case that it's all on one person, Um, but I don't know. I love love Rodgers. Is it possible that he had some attitude issues towards McCarthy? Maybe. I've read some things about some stuff McCarthy supposedly done, or did, excuse me, that was really messed up as well. So it sounds like it was a combination of both, but I also think it was just the frustrations uh, boiling over a little bit about, um, quite honestly, some Super Bowl caliber teams that the Packers have had over the years that just didn't get the job done, and I gotta say, so far it's been the same story um, in the Lafleur era. So as much as I love Rogers, I don't think it makes him look particularly great that the results have remained fairly the same once McCarthy is left.
1: So what we're going to do is we're going to take a quick break, and then kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're going to talk a little NBA with Landon. Kind of next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Viberside Sports. Like, we still have Landon Rhodes with us before we were diving a little bit into the Green Bay Packers, and now we're going to talk some basketball. So, Landon, the first thing I have to ask you is this. So, your MVP so far in this NBA season, there's been a lot of guys. At first, it was Joel and Beter LeBron, then both get hurt, and now kind of Nikola Jokic is kind of took taking over, and people are talking about him being MVP. I just think. I was listening to Brian Windhorst, and uh, they did like a straw poll podcast on ESPN or whatever, where they kind of pulled different uh, MVP voters, and it came out that like uh, Joker was ahead by a wide margin. For you right now, who would you have as your MVP if you had a ballot?
0: I would have to give it to Jokic right now. Um... Although, in my interview with Royce Young, he threw in Chris Paul as kind of a dark horse that no one's really talking about, which, keep in mind, Royce Young is an MVP voter for the NBA, so that's straight out of the, you know, straight out of the mouth of an NBA MVP voter, Chris Paul, dark horse, but I think it's Jokic, and I'll tell you why, 57 games played, 57 games total up to this point, he's played in every single game, And the guy's numbers, as far as like Curry, which is the main argument I'm hearing, is Curry over Jokic. Um, The numbers are better in every category except points, which it's only like five points or so, which I mean, we expect from Curry. And I mean, I don't know. I I just think with the narrative that the MVP usually goes, I, I see Jokic at this point.
1: See. I, I, I do have to agree with you to some extent. I think also part of it is, like, what is Denver right now? They're a 4-5 or five seed right now in the West. Right now, the Warriors, I believe, they're out of it right now. I mean, they're going to be a playing team for sure. Uh, and I think also what's going to be interesting to see is how Jokic keeps Denver afloat with Jamal Murray tearing his ACL, right? I think that's going to be a big feather in his cap. If he can keep Denver around, like, the 4-line, even without Jamal Murray, I think that gives him the MVP, landing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I think if... Uh... If Jokic was praying for an opportunity to show the value part of MVP, valuable, um, I'm sure he wasn't praying for Murray to tear his ACL, but this is the opportunity right here to show uh, how key you are to the Nuggets. Because quite honestly, Curry's getting the opportunity right now to show his value. The Warriors without him, dismal, like absolutely horrible. His roster as a whole, honestly, not very good. And he's proving right now. I, I think they're in they're in line for the nine seed or something right now. I don't know, but they're on a hot streak right now, and Curry himself is on a hot streak right now. So that's kind of why Curry seems to have some momentum. But I just think Jokic has a wide lead already. I mean, as you were talking about Winhurst talking about that, I think he's like the dominant favorite right now and he would have to really mess something up, I think not to get it. And it all he has to do is continue his normal production now without Jamal Murray, which barring injury, I I don't see him taking any steps backwards and he might even take some more
1: steps forward in the year. Do you think Jokic is one of the more underrated stars in the league? I feel like he doesn't get the respect because it's like when everybody talks about who's the best European basketball player, everybody always talks about Luka. When everybody talks about who's the best big man, they go to Joel and Embiid. Some people I think would even put Anthony Davis at a, like the Joker. Do you think he's like the most underrated superstar in the league?
0: Yeah, I've. Um, I mean, not not to act like I'm some crazy guru or something, but I've been saying that since probably last year, maybe even a year and a half ago. I've been saying I have I have a Jokic jersey that I purchased my sophomore year of college, um, and senior year now, just for reference. But um, I think that's kind of a European big man problem, if, if I'm being completely honest, because Luca, European, but he gets his props. People give Luca lots of credit. Now I'm going to look at two Lithuanian guys, first of all, DeMontis Sabonis and Jonas Valanciunas. Valanchunas has been on a tear recently. I do not He just got a concussion. He's out right now. But I don't know if you looked at Valanchunas' stats, but oh my, he's getting like 20-plus rebounds a game. Sabonis is just a beast, like honestly, and he doesn't get his credit. And just like we're talking about now, Jokic... He's a front-runner for MVP, and honestly, I feel like it's only getting recognized now for some reason, and quite honestly, I think he's been the front-runner ever since Embiid got injured. Um, he's been the front-runner, but it hasn't been talked about, at least I've only noticed it getting talked about like in the last week or so.
1: And even uh, Chris Esporzingas, he's a guy that doesn't even, you know... I, at one point, I think he did get shined, but I think that has faded due to injury concerns as well, but... When it comes to Jokic, why do you think people sleep on him? Like, he almost averages a triple-double. Like, he plays a style we've never seen before. I don't think we've ever seen a guy who's freaking, like, 6'11 bring the ball up court. It seems like everybody likes him. He plays hard. He He's not, like, everybody says they love Steph Curry because he looks like the average guy. I mean, Jokic doesn't necessarily look like a guy who should be in the NBA, but he balls out. Like, what do you think it is?
0: I think initially... Uh Quite honestly, it was. I think it was a little bit because he was overweight earlier <laughs> in his career. I think uh, people uh, treated him more as like a meme or something.
1: I mean, Shaq but was overweight, and people love Shaq. <laughs>
0: they, they, I mean, Shaq was just now. But that's what I'm about to touch on. Actually, Shaq, though his personality was always there now i will say i think Jokic actually has a very underrated personality he's pretty funny i don't know if you've ever seen any like videos of the pranks he pulls and the jokes he tells and stuff but Jokic is a funny guy but he is like a more quiet guy and you get that a lot of time with the foreign players but um he's he's a little more reserved and i think that's why you don't see it um again referencing back to uh the royce young interview he said something interesting to me. He said if you polled um, the the NBA, like general managers, um, Ja Morant or Shea Gilgis Alexander, it would probably be split about fifty fifty. And nobody would think that. Why? Because Ja is such a more like expressive personality. He's like much more vocal and just like you see his highlights everywhere. Shea Gilgis Alexander is actually a great player. Not trying to get off topic here, but it's it speaks to the personality thing I'm talking about here. Jokic is just a quiet guy, and I think a lot of them might have some quiet guys putting up similar numbers that just, quite frankly, aren't talked about as much.
1: But even Dirk, don't you feel like Dirk was talked about?
0: Dirk was talked about. Um, I don't I don't know how I would even really address that. He definitely had some personality. Um, he did win an nba championship i mean that was after he was established but uh yeah that's interesting i don't know i i really don't know i don't know if he was as talked about as he should have been though quite quite honestly he might have been talked about but um he was also sort of before social media became like huge like maybe later in his career but, I mean, what I was saying was I think social media has really changed the landscape of how we look at players because you're going to get your Zions, your Lamellos, your LeBron's highlights constantly, John Morant on ESPN, on Instagram, on everything. And you'll get some highlights of these other guys sometimes. But the outspoken players, the flashy players, those are going to be – the ones that you see the most. Although, for the record, Jokic has some insanely flashy stats. If you actually look at uh, Jokic's games,
1: and he's a great passer. Like I just feel like he's a unicorn. Nobody, we've never seen a big man that can do this type of stuff. Landon, how many seven footers do you see bringing the ball up court? He's the point guard. Not,
0: yeah, no, not very many. I mean, honestly, the interesting thing is the comparison might be our Vitas Sabonis, which is the dad from back in the day. Uh, pretty similar, but also not given his props. So it's been an issue for a while.
1: So I want to go to this now. So Joel Embiid was leading the MVP race for the longest, and now it seems like Joker's kind of supplanted him. Do you think there's any shot that Joel can kind of take the MVP back?
0: There is, but I, okay. Okay. I'll address this in, like, two parts. If they're both uninjured the rest of the year or don't sit for any reasons, then I think Jokic has it locked up. Unless, for whatever reason, he somehow just, like, starts playing really poorly, but I just can't see that. I I honestly can't see Jokic just randomly starting to play poorly. I think if they both close the season out playing all games, Jokic wins, and that's that. Um if Jokic misses time for some reason, Embiid could maybe take it back. But to be honest with you, I think Curry has about an equal chance with Embiid at that point, if Jokic ends up getting hurt or missing time for any reason.
1: Now you also mentioned Chris Paul in your Chris Young interview. Uh potentially getting some being a dark horse MVP candidate, which I found interesting. I mean, obviously, the Phoenix Suns, they're number two in the West right now. Chris Paul hes made a dramatic impact. They weren't even in the playoffs last year, and now they're, you know, a legit Western Conference contender. Do you think, in your personal opinion, that Chris Paul is an underrated MVP candidate?
0: Oh, absolutely. I mean, uh, on the show, I asked him just to basically lay out his argument for us, and it was very convincing. I mean... What, what I told him was I wanted to address the people that would mention the Suns going undefeated in last year's bubble because clearly they had some momentum. But they still missed the bubble playoff, which is really unfortunate given that they went undefeated in, you know, in the games leading up to that. But that aside, um, I was asking him, so what did Chris Paul bring to them? Because it looked like they already had momentum. He basically said, like, the NBA recognized, like teams around the league, they recognized that he, um, they recognized that the Suns caught kind of like some good vibes and some momentum in last year's bubble, but they weren't really kidding themselves that they were a legit Western Conference threat. But now here we have the Suns in the two seed of the West, and by all counts, looking very, very legit. Uh, I believe they beat the Bucks last night in overtime. Um, And, I mean, they look absolutely legit. It does not look like they just caught some momentum in last year's bubble. It looks like they are really going to give some teams a hard time in the playoffs. I could see them making the Western Conference Finals. Not ready to say they make the finals yet, but you want to talk about a difference Chris Paul made. That is the difference. He made them legit. It wasn't just... She brings that legit factor. It was not that they just caught some momentum. It's, no, we are legit. We're going to beat legit teams. And come playoff time, we're going to be legit.
1: So I want to go... And actually, before we go to this, I do want to ask you this. So if I were to give you your top three MVP guys, so who would be your top three finalists? One through three.
0: Right now, Jokic one, and that's the easiest call. Um, and someone we haven't mentioned... James Harden, um, really great this year. I, I think he would be up there. He actually just had a setback, though, uh, in his uh, rehabilitation from his injury. So I think we can rule him out. Don't know. If, I mean, they don't know when he's going to come back. So takes Harden out of it. I, Oh, man, two is hard. And I really want to put Chris Paul in there. But I honestly think i am got to go one, Jokic, two, Curry, three, Embiid, for uh, Chris Paul. Um, I know you only asked for top three, but I got to get Paul in there.
1: Yeah, Chris Paul, he's been absolutely... People underrate his impact. Like, if you really think about it, you know, he goes to Houston. And no, first of all, if you really think about it, he goes to New Orleans to start his career. He makes them a reputable franchise. He leaves their are pooping. they get Anthony Davis. He goes to the Clippers. They're moribund. Nobody ever talks about the Clippers. He makes them legit contenders. And then he goes to Houston. They get to the Western Conference Finals. They almost beat the KD, Steph, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green Warriors and maybe would have won that series if he doesn't pull his hamstring and doesn't able, and isn't able to play in Game 7. And then he goes to Oklahoma City, who everybody thought was going to be the worst team in the NBA. They end up making the playoffs, and they go seven games with Houston. And now he's with Phoenix, a team that just missed the playoffs. And now they're the number two seed in the West.
0: Absolutely. I mean, we're talking about players that don't get their props. And I was mentioning European guys, but Chris Paul, not European, but never really got his props. I mean, and he's still, he's going to be a Hall of Famer, obviously. But, I mean, don't forget, uh, the NBA kind of screwed him over when he was going to join the Lakers at one point as well. And on top of that, uh, this was something that Royce Young reminded me of that I had honestly kind of, like, forgotten. He was viewed as kind of washed up at the end of his Houston career. There were some people that thought the old Chris Paul was gone after Houston. And he completely flipped that narrative upside down on, on his time with the Thunder. And now this year, uh, he has a lot left in the tank,
1: honestly. How much longer do you think he can do this? Like, it's almost like lebron Like, he's like 36. Yeah. I think he's the exact same age as LeBron, actually.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's hard to say how much longer. I feel like he'll retire before LeBron. Um, but... It's hard to say. It's just like LeBron's body, I feel like, lends him uh, a little better to a longer career. Not that, I mean, obviously Chris Paul, extremely athletic body, but I'm talking like LeBron is like this built dude. Like, I I just think from a physicality standpoint, I could see LeBron lasting a little longer.
1: So now what I want to do is I want to go to this. Uh, In terms of just the nba in general i i do want to know your thoughts on the brooklyn nets uh in terms of the creation of them do, do you think they're the super team to beat do you think they're the team to beat in the east uh, do you think the 76ers can give them a run for their money like what are your thoughts on brooklyn
0: currently they are beating themselves that's that's the issue their um injury their injuries are hurting them badly um I, I read a stat. It was either, what, 26 or 28 games they played together, I think. I'm pretty sure that's what I heard, and if that's true, that sounds like more than I would have even guessed. Um, as the big three, Kyrie is the only one that can seem to stay
1: healthy. I don't think all three of them like, have actually played together. All like I don't even know if it's five games.
0: Okay, Because Kevin had,
1: Durant was hurt as soon as they got Harden. If you...
0: Yeah, I think that stat's wrong. I th- that's what I was saying while I was saying it. It didn't sound right. They have played together all three, but it was. I it feels like it was like five games.
1: Yeah, if that. I I don't think they. <laughs> here's
0: here's my thing though. Okay, you got a big three here. You're heading into playoff time. Just imagine that I'm talking about just any NBA team. Don't. It doesn't have to be the Nets. There's a big three. Ky- and Kyrie's on it. And you're telling me the only one in that big three that can seem to stay healthy is Kyrie, Glass, Bones, Irving heading into playoff time? That is not a recipe for success. I'm sorry, but the Kevin Love, LeBron, Kyrie, big three, when he got injured, that was okay because LeBron was basically always not going to be injured. Kevin Love was frequently, but and LeBron still carried the load. But here we have uh, KD comes back, immediately bumps knees with Trevor Ariza, and is now going to miss time. Harden just had a setback in his rehabilitation today for the hamstring. Uh, Don't know exactly uh, how that's going to end. They said indefinitely. He's on my fantasy team. I'm not counting on having him for the fantasy playoffs. Um, Kyrie... He's healthy now, but he keeps missing time for, like, random things that, like, that was more earlier in the year, but he kept just, like, disappearing from the team for, like, weeks at a time, like doing some Dennis Rodman stuff, and now he's apparently healthy. But it's just Kyrie, Joe Harris, and Jeff Green is the big three right now. And if you're asking me if I believe in that team in the playoffs, no, I don't. I think the Sixers are going to destroy them because they don't have anyone to handle Embiid down low they could handle they could handle that if they had their other scorers and just kind of have like these shootout games with the Sixers they could handle it but without those two guys I mean is DeAndre Jordan going to really lock up and beat I, I just don't see it and I think Simmons is in the running for defensive player of the year he can do a decent enough job on Kyrie and that's that
1: for defensive player of the year quickly Simmons or Gobert
0: um well, you know about voter fatigue with these NBA awards, which would lead me to go Simmons. Gobert, his numbers are great. But for whatever reason, whenever I turn a Jazz game on, it seems like Gobert is getting destroyed
1: by, <laughs> by, the, by the big guy that's on him. And I don't know what the deal is because he's the two-time defensive uh, player of the year reigning right now. And he's now. getting he cooked on a regular basis. <laughs> He's
0: like, it's weird. I don't know. I don't get it. Every time I turn a jazz game on, I'm left there wondering, like, how is this guy, the back-to-back defensive player? And I know he shut the whole league down when he got COVID. That was quite a defensive (laughs) job there. But I'm just saying, like, in all respect to Gobert, he is a great defensive player. He's a, he's a really good defensive player. I'm just saying, from my personal experience, it seems like whenever I turn a game on, that's like not what I'm watching. But like the stats speak for themselves at the same time. So, I don't know. I would personally like to see Simmons win it. Um, but if Gobert wins it, then props to him.
1: Okay, so lastly, what I do want to ask you is this, in terms of this topic. So, Steph Curry, uh, he's been on a stretch where he's gotten, like, 30 straight points multiple times. I think, like, nine straight games. And I think he broke Kobe's record for doing that at 33-plus uh, years of age. And then Skip Bayless goes on TV today, and then he says that Steph Curry is not a top-20 player of all time. Where do you stand on Steph Curry? Obviously, as a, as a Cavs fan, right, you kind of probably have a level hate relationship with Steph. Where do you stand on where Steph is all time? Um...
0: So I did, not, uh, I did not see Stephen A's comments on It was that. Skip, it was Skip. Oh, it was Skip? Okay, sorry, I, I misheard that. Um, you know what, I'm not surprised Skip said that, though. <laughs> that sounds like a, more of a Skip thing to say than a Stephen A. But um, I'd have to see the list of the top 20, but uh, that sounds wrong uh, to me hearing it. I mean, I... I'm not a big fan of his. Like you said, I'm a Cavs fan. I, I had to watch that uh, for a number of years, but I just can't imagine he's not top twenty. I, is he saying currently or like when all time, he all time? Okay, and he he was just saying like currently, not like when he retires type. thing. Yes. Okay. Um.
1: He said yeah, Bill Walton 20. was better all time. That was the name, cool. of you, Bill Walton. <laughs> Bill Walton, that oh, uh, <laughs> Delaney's like I don't know if I could vibe with that.
0: <laughs> all right, no, I cannot vibe with that. I was trying to picture like what the list was. I mean, respect to Bill Walton; he's a legend. But uh, no, not not. Over, I mean, Curry's like revolutionized the game in a way that like very few have. Uh, and I think his legacy is gonna really remember that when he when he's retired and everything. But. No, yeah, I think he's probably top 20 currently. By the time he retires, absolutely. He might be top 10 even. Um, I don't know. I, it's, it's just really hard to say. But I do understand not putting current players in, like, the upper, upper tiers of lists like that. Unless you're, just, you're LeBron. Like, out of respect for players who are already retired. Like, I understand taking a more of a, like, wait-and-see approach when it comes to, like, current players. But, I mean, Curry or Bill Walton, like, no, like, I'm taking Curry.
1: Yeah, he also, he mentioned Carl Malone and Charles Barkley as well. Um,
0: those are two guys that, oh man, this is hard now. I, I don't know, I was Barkley over Malone or was it vice versa?
1: No, he just said both of them were better than Steph Curry too.
0: I, I don't think I, I can even agree with that, honestly. And I would say, when it comes to those guys, you would have to take uh, you'd have to take a little uh, championship into consideration too. I don't know, like was Skip factoring championships in his rankings?
1: He said Steph has never won a Finals MVP. He doesn't trust Steph in the big stage.
0: Okay. What
1: Basically, discrediting thought? the rings. He's discrediting the rings.
0: Okay, yeah, see, I don't understand that that part of it, though. Uh, I think Skip is kind of, I don't know, contradicting himself a little bit there, because, like, okay, he's never won finals MVP, and you're going to bring him down the list because of that, but then put Karl Malone and Charles Barkley above him, despite not even winning, like, not even being, like, champions in the first place. I mean, respect to those guys, but I just... I don't get the mental gymnastics that took on Skip's part.
1: Yeah, Skip is, you know, Skip, Skip Bayless does stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So what we're going to do is we're going to take another break and then come kind of next to the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. I'm going to get Landon's opinion on an NBA tier list I did. Come kind of up next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Back with Barista Sports Talk. I just got done talking to Landon. We were just talking about little NBA MVP stuff. Steph Curry, where he is all time, and now what I want to do with Landon is this. So a couple podcasts ago, Landon, I did a NBA tiers list, and what the list was, Landon, was it was all time. So it was players all time because a lot of times we talk about who can be the best player on a championship team. So I thought you know it'd be interesting to talk about players all time who could legitimately be the best player on a championship team. The second best player on a championship team and the third best player on a championship team. All right. So I'm going to give you the first tier. So here are the names on the first tier. Now tell me if you have any thoughts or you have any disagreements, okay? Okay. So and the and this is in no particular order. Just tier one. Michael Jordan.
0: All right. Sorry, yeah. I was just going to just clarify. These are the best number one options on championship teams. No,
1: these are players all time who were good enough to be a number one option. Oh, okay, gotcha. Players who were good enough to be a second number one, be able to be the second option, and players who were good enough to be the third option. Okay. Okay, so number one, Michael Jordan. uh, And this is in no particular order. Michael Jordan, Kareem, Tim Duncan, Dirk Nowinski, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Hakeem Olajuwon, Kobe Bryant, Shaquille O'Neal, Bill Russell, Oscar Robertson, Kawhi Leonard... Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Dwayne Wade, Isaiah Thomas, Moses Malone, Jerry West. That was tier one.
0: All right. Yeah, I mean, those are all guys that have done it. I mean, some of those guys have done it without being the number one option. Like, I would argue Tim Duncan, for his first championship at least, probably wasn't the number one option. Uh, Like, David Robinson uh, for that one. But, like, eventually, absolutely number one option. And I think... The KD one is a little interesting, um, only because like he was, I would say he was the number one option on the Warriors for the championship or the two championships. Excuse me, but like, did he need to be the number one option though? Like that—that's what like makes that one a little different than like some of the others for me. Is just like I, like I don't think they needed him to be the number one option. Because, like, Curry proved it. Like, he did win one before KD came over um, as the number one option. But, like, I just – I don't know if KD – people say it all the time. Like, I don't know if he was necessary on that team.
1: So would you have him more in the Tier 2 list, the second option?
0: It's like It's hard to say, and it's, like, an interesting argument. Because, like I said, I think he was the number one option for those championships. But it's just, like – With those other guys, they were the number one option by necessity. Like, they had to be the number one option. With KD, like, some nights, he definitely could have, like, not given it his all. And uh, Steph and Clay would pick up the slack. It's it's just, like, a different situation. Like, I don't know if it was, like, as, like, intense of a number one role, I guess, is why it's there. Like, as necessary.
1: Well, how about I throw this at you? What about Shaq and Kobe?
0: That that is interesting as well. Well, Kobe proved actually. I guess it's not that it's not that interesting because they both also won championships um, as the number. Well, I guess Shaq on the Heat, he wasn't the number one option. Kobe proved he can be the number one option later on in his career. So really, with that question, I think the focus needs to be on Shaq. Um, And I just, I feel like there's no doubt he could have been the number one option on a championship team. And he honestly was, I think, on the early 2000s one. I don't know if that's a hot take or not. I feel like it's pretty well known that Shaq was probably, like...
1: Oh, he was the best player in the NBA. Best player in the NBA at the time. Yes.
0: Um, so, like, yeah, absolutely no disrespect towards Kobe. I mean, he proved later on that he could win them all by himself. Um, I mean, Gasol, but Gasol was clearly, like, the number two. Um... I think it's fair to say Shaq was the number one on the earlier ones.
1: Okay, so here were my number two options, who players who can be the second best player on a championship team. Uh, pal Gasol, David Robinson, Patrick Ewing, Jason Kidd, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, Scottie Pippen, Paul Pierce, Dwight Howard, Kevin McHale, Tony Parker, Chris Paul, Elgin Baylor, Allen Iverson, Dr. J, and Derrick Rose. Alright, so second
0: best player. Um, with the AI, was that uh, in reference to his Nuggets years?
1: No, it was more through the totality of, do I think, Do I I don't think ever in his career, AI was ever good enough to be the best player on the championship team, but I think he was good enough to be the second best player on the championship team.
0: Okay, got you. Um, I mean, it's hard to argue with that because uh, what the Lakers beat him in five games, five, right? Yeah. Um. So it's it's hard to argue with that. Although I don't know, the Sixers really did not put much around him that year. I almost feel like if that team was better. Maybe he could have been, but I get what you're saying. Um, with that, um, Patrick Ewing was a name that that jumped out to me a little bit just because I think. That was actually pretty thoroughly proven during his career that he couldn't really do it as the number one. John Starks, like, I'd say was pretty clearly the two option in New York, and Ewing was great, but they just couldn't get it done as a unit. And I do think Ewing is, like, honestly maybe, like, the perfect example of someone who, like, if they were paired with a number one, like one of the guys you listed before, like, definitely could have got some rings.
1: And then other people I had, just to say it again, like Dwight Howard, I had Paul Pierce, Scottie Pippen, prototypical number two. Uh, I had Kid on there, uh, Steve Nash.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting because Kid did end up getting that ring with Dallas. Um, and I guess you could argue he was the two option I mean, it was probably Jason Terry, I guess, was the two options. JJ
1: Barea might have been the third.
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, that team was not very deep that Dallas yeah. team. So, actually Tyson Chandler um,
1: might have. Tyson Chandler was great too. Like,
0: yeah, yeah. Did you put I'm trying to remember, was Dirk on your one list?
1: Yeah, Dirk was on the one list.
0: Okay, gotcha. Um, well yeah, that Dallas team is just like weird to me to like think about even like honestly who was the two option. It's pretty clear Dirk was the one. But it's like I feel like late in their careers, honestly, Jason Kidd and Steve Nash were in like kind of similar situations, but like one of them just got put in like a luckier situation, I think, quite honestly. And uh, it was in Dallas, I mean, a team that Nash is pretty familiar with himself, so.
1: Yeah, I would say actually the second best player on that team was Tyson Chandler. Uh, yeah. I would say he was probably the second best player, and then Terry, and then I would say probably. And then even Marion, I, I mean. kid yeah, I st- mean, in
0: terms of that series, like the actual final series, I would probably put Terry too. Yeah. But yeah.
1: And then, in terms of most impactful, for the reason they won, LeBron is pretty high up on that list because that was not LeBron's. uh...
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that was not LeBron's series at all. And I also agree with your point about Scottie Pippen. I mean, that's probably the clearest example I could think of of anybody. And I mean, and I mentioned Gasol when we were talking about the one. So
1: yeah, no, Gasol was a two. I had Gasol as a two. Uh, Carl Malone, Charles Barkley, they would have been better served as twos. Uh, Dwight Howard, he to me, is a two. Kevin McHale's a two. Parker's a two. To me, Chris Paul, uh, and we just talked about Chris Paul, but to me, Chris Paul's a two. Uh, and Derek Rose, I had Derek Rose on here. To me, Derek Rose prime Derek Rose was always a two option, he was never a one. And then I have Paul yeah. Pierce. I know Paul Pierce won finals MVP in 08, but I think Paul Pierce was always better served he was the second best player on your team. I don't know if he can always be completely comfortable if he's your best player, but if he's your second best player, you have a pretty good team. Yeah, I think Garnett
0: was the one there, even though he won MVP, even though Pierce won MVP. But um, it's going to be interesting to see where, like, uh, current day players end up on this list. Like, are we going to say later on that Harden or Lillard couldn't get it done as the one? You know, like, it's going to be really
1: interesting. Harden, to me, if I were to put guys like Harden and Kyrie and Dame, they would be on the two. They'd be on the two list. At the bare minimum, they're on the two list.
0: But I mean, that's kind of what I was saying about that Warriors team. Is like, I don't know if I'm quite ready to argue it, but I do know there would be people that would argue that KD is like a two.
1: I think he's a high level two if you're going to call him a two. I think he's good enough. But I think I think he's shown even throughout his career, even though he did not. I I think you can win a championship if Kevin Durant is your best player. I think that is that that is possible. That can happen.
0: Yeah. I definitely agree. I, I think it definitely can happen,
1: and it did happen. Well, technically, Warriors, it did. <laughs>
0: uh, well, that's what I was about to say. I don't know if the Warriors teams proved that. I personally think it—he was the best player, but I, I don't know. It's really when you have a team that stacked, it just—it gets hard to say.
1: So for. Uh... My three, and, and these were for the three guys. And actually, I'll just finish up because uh, I'll just finish up the number two options really quickly. So the rest of the number twos were Marcus All, Gary Payton, Clyde Drexler, Steve Nash. Like I said, Chauncey Billups, Tracy McGrady, Chris, Chris Webber, and around rounded out with Yao Ming.
0: Yeah, that's that's. I was actually going to bring up Marcus All uh, as the other Gasol because a number of years there in Memphis. I mean. Uh, I'd say Conley was the one there, but he was a solid too. And Grizzlies were legit there for a bit. The grit and grind.
1: They beat uh, San. They were the AFC, They beat San Antonio one year.
0: Yeah, I mean it was that was really nice. I mean, and Chris Webber on the Kings. If I mean, if it weren't for what's been proven now as rigging by the NBA referees, the Kings would have been in the finals there in the early 2000s, but that is what it is. Yeah,
1: I think Weber was always served more being that in that Paul Gasol role to a Kobe.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know who on the Kings like was like Divock and like uh, Bibby. Uh, uh,
1: Jason Stallone. Williams, Paige Stojakovic, Dark yeah, Christie. That
0: was just like a really well-balanced team. You could almost argue that a number of those guys could be, like, on this list. I don't know if any of them are on your three or anything, but that Kings I feel like that Kings team was made up, like, of a lot of guys that would probably fall in the two or three, like, range of this list. Mostly three, though.
1: Yeah, so here are my uh, guys for the third tier. The guys can be the third best player on a championship team. Ray Allen, Ron Artest... Uh, Dikembe Mutombo, Dominique Wilkins, Zach Randolph, John Stockton, Robert Parrish, Dennis Rodman, Manu Ginobili, Chris Bosh, Russell Westbrook, James Worthy, Amari Stoudemire, Joe Johnson, Al Horford, Gilbert Arenas, Carmelo Anthony, Reggie Miller, Chris Mullen, Vince Carter, Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson, Ben Wallace, Rashid Wallace, Rip Hamilton, Pedro Stojakovic, and rest in peace, LaMarcus Aldridge.
0: Yeah, that Aldridge Newton's is horrible. Um, some names did definitely jump out at me. I might have to have you go back through that, but I, some I remember. Uh, Stojakovic, we were just talking about the Kings, so that one uh, stood out. But also Carmelo, I was waiting on that one. I wasn't sure where you were going to put uh, him because that that's an interesting one. And he is a current player, as well um, and let me think who else oh Matumbo stood out to me because you had AI in the 2 and you had him in the 3 so it's like it's like what we're saying is that 76ers team from back in the day like was so close like they were like a 1 away basically is what we're saying
1: yeah yeah, and, and if I compare it to modern day NBA standards here's what I would say to this extent like it's like the Utah Jazz. to me Donovan Mitchell is a 2 Rudy Gobert is a 3 right now Donovan Mitchell is a one and Rudy Gobert is a two.
0: Yeah. That, yeah, I can see that. I mean, that's kind of what the analysts have been saying about the Jazz is they don't quite know if they have, like, that guy that's going to, like... I know I love Mitchell, but I think he has a way to go for it. He's, like, a true one. I agree with that. Uh, you had Dominique on there, right? Yes. Yeah, he's, I mean, a great NBA player, but agreed on that. Uh, could you just, like, go back through him again? Yeah, yeah, I'll
1: do it. I'll do it, and I'll... Do, I'll do a little bit slower. So Ray Allen.
0: Yeah, that's I mean that I was waiting on that too, although like he was a three on the Celtics. On the Heat he was not I don't even think obviously Bosch, who you also mentioned, but um I don't even know where he would have fallen on that Heat team. That was just like bench warmer when you need a three type thing.
1: Yeah, he was definitely a bench player. Uh next up, Ronner Test.
0: Yeah, that um I mean the Lakers championship I he was he the 3
1: on that? Uh I would say Odom was. But I'm talking oh, about man. prime Reiner Test.
0: Okay, like Pacers. Like Pacers
1: like like beat you on Artest. <laughs> like punch you in Got the face <laughs> in the yeah. stands yeah. <laughs> test. Uh, who was the run idiot run who test. poured the beer on Reiner Test? God bless that soul. Why would Free, you do that? meta a world peace. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Dikembe Mutombo, he was the three, we just talked about that, Dominic Wilkins, uh, Zach Randolph.
0: Oh, yeah, that was, man, again, like, that's kind of like the Sixers. We're, we're really, we're hinting here that that Grizzlies team was very close.
1: Yeah, and they and you know what, I think it's interesting, too, when you talk about multiple twos and threes being on the same team, the team that won a championship that I have multiple twos and threes with the Pistons. I had Billups as a one, and I had Rip Hamilton Rasheed Wallace and Ben Wallace all as threes, and I think Tayshaun Prince, if we were to do this and I'd have a four, I think Tayshon Prince would be in the four, so if you have like a two, multiple threes, and maybe a four, then you, your team can do a little something-something.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's, I mean, they're considered one of the more, uh, like depth-wise, one of the better, I think, championship teams that there's been, and it, it speaks to the different ways you can build a team. I mean, most teams go for the big three now uh, way of building, but uh, shout out to the Pistons for pulling off something like that.
1: Yeah, and I also, uh, so John Stockton.
0: Oh, I that three?
1: Yes, three.
0: Ooh, that's, and I'm assuming, are we saying he was the two to Malone?
1: Yes, I have Malone at the two, though.
0: Okay, so again, it's a situation like that. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you put Jordan on the Jazz, and that's a runaway.
1: Uh, Robert Parrish.
0: Yeah, I mean, Parrish certainly got it done championship-wise.
1: Dennis Rodman.
0: As a three, yes.
1: Manu Ginobili.
0: Absolutely.
1: Chris Bosh. Yes. Russell Westbrook.
0: That's huh that'll get people talking. Um what, man, I don't know. I personally maybe would I know uh, my boy Jason's gonna hate me for this one, but I maybe would put him in a two.
1: Ooh. Um, see I don't I don't know. I, I think he has an argument for it. See see here's my thing. Here's what I'll put this. Russell Westbrook is a guy that I would say if he's your second best player, can you win a championship? Maybe, maybe. But if he's your three, I think you're good to go.
0: Yeah, I mean, the Jazz were very close there with KD and him, but then, like the debate starts with what we were talking about earlier. Like, on the Thunder, was the issue that KD is not a true one, or was the issue Westbrook's not a true two, or was it both? Like, well, that becomes the type of situation there. Well, well, how
1: about this? Let's go back to 2016. Landon, if you switch Russell Westbrook for Kyrie Irving, do the, first of all, do the Thunder beat the Warriors that series? Do they finish the deal in Game 6?
0: Mm, uh, there's really no saying, but I'd say probably not. I, I don't know.
1: If 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 Westbrook is on the Cavs, do the Cavs come back? Still, mm. does Westbrook really no. play that well down the stretch like Kyrie did?
0: No, I yeah I get I would agree that like Westbrook on the Cavs wouldn't have helped the Cavs much, but I also like in the same sense feel like Kyrie on the Thunder wouldn't have really helped the Thunder either. I feel like. If it makes any kind of sense that, like, they both worked well in their system, I don't know. I
1: just think in terms of the haywire aspect, like, I think you trust Kyrie with the ball in his hands.
0: Oh, yeah, no, like, do I think Westbrook would hit that shot Kyrie hit against Golden State in Game 7? Absolutely not, but, um, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because we're seeing Kyrie and KD now on the Nets, so I guess, uh, talk to me after the finals maybe and we'll see if Kyrie and Katie work out but I don't
1: know James Worthy
0: yep champ
1: Amari Stoudemire
0: interesting as a three most of his career well with Phoenix he was like like, what was Nash the one
1: I would say both twos maybe Nash was the one but both two
0: yeah I was going to say, like, in terms of guys you've talked about that, like, might be, like, their entire careers might have been way played, like, past where you put them on their list, Stoudemire might be one of the ones with a larger gap there as far as, like, where they were forced to play versus where you put them on this list. Because, like, I feel like Stoudemire was forced, like you said, maybe tied for one with Nash on the Suns, like... He was forced to go way past where we're putting him here, but I think I agree that, like, this is where he belongs, but it's just a shame that he never really got a shot in his prime to, like, not have to be, like, the guy. Um,
1: Imagine him being with the Heat, and instead of Chris Bosh is there, it's LeBron, Dwayne Wade, Amari Stoudemire.
0: Yeah, that would have been insane.
1: Okay, so next up we have uh, Joe Johnson.
0: Yeah, Iso Joe, I can get down with
1: that. Al Horford? Prime Iso Joe. <laughs> Al Horford?
0: Oof. Um,
1: he might be more of a four. I, I could get with that if you say he's more of a four.
0: Yeah, I might say he's more of Oh, man, I'm trying to think about those Atlanta teams right now. And, like, I almost feel like he was a three some of the time. I don't – it's hard to say. Corver at least for that one year when the Hawks were, like, they were the one seed in the East that one year, right? Yeah,
1: um, and then the Cavs swept him.
0: Yeah, the Cavs just smacked him. But, um, Corver was honestly, like, the leading threat there for, like, some games. Not all games, but we know how Corver is. He either hits everything or he hits, like, nothing. Um, although that season, it was, like, hit everything the whole year, basically.
1: But, um... How did Corver know, really made an all-star team? <laughs> That's so... That's <shit. laughs> insane,
0: man. I, I mean... And, Millsap was, I would argue, I mean, I have to look at the stats. I might be saying things that make no sense here without looking at the stats, but from my recollection, Millsap was almost like the leader of that Atlanta team.
1: So Horford may be a 4, but possibly a 3. Maybe
0: a 4, but I wouldn't get mad about at least saying he was a 3 on the Hawks,
1: probably. Gilbert Arenas.
0: Oh yeah, that was another one I actually wanted to talk about when you read the list the first time. The problem is, you might be right about that's where he belongs, but Gilbert would never let himself be a three. And that that's like the issue. Like, I feel like...
1: That might be the issue of Russell Westbrook too, Landon. Yeah, that
0: might be the <laughs> problem could argue, although it might sound blasphemous, that that might be sort of the Allen Iverson problem, too. Not at the three level, but at the two versus the one. But the issue becomes worse the farther down this list you are, and you still want to be a one. So with AI, if you want to say he's a two, and he thinks he's a one, it, it might result in, I don't know, not winning an NBA championship. But if your Gilbert Arenas, and you're convinced you're a one and you're a three, it might result in something like a much shorter NBA career that you probably should have had. Or in Westbrook's case, um, just like a lot of hate, I guess, directed his way for uh, being seen as like a stat padding ball hog. Whether that's fair or not, that's definitely what, uh, what people say. So, I think the issue just becomes more pronounced the further down this list they are when they still want to be a one.
1: So well, here's what I will say to this quickly. Uh, in, the, in a situation like that, what you're saying, I think you need a clear hierarchy. So for example, LeBron needs to be your best player. Your second best player needs to be like Dwayne Wade. Well, let's just say that for example. Or you need to have a Kobe and Shaq situation where there is a clear hierarchy and there's no way for Gilbert Arenas to rationalize in his mind, I should be the best player, or second best player on this team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, it goes the same way, like with the balance teams, like the Pistons. You can't put Gilbert Arenas on that team. I'm sorry, you just can't. Like you have four or five guys that all kind of recognize we're like co-alpha dogs here, like sort, like in a way, like we're all around the same hierarchy. Stronger in the pack. Yeah, yeah, you put someone in there like Gilbert Arenas or like even Westbrook or like whatever. We're getting really hypothetical here because Westbrook and them weren't even from like the same time. But like I think it would disrupt the chemistry and a lot of this does have to do with chemistry. Like building a team using the list you made here um, in the right way has more to do with chemistry than anything
1: else. And and then I'll, I'll even use an example for this. Remember the Pistons traded Chauncey Billups to the Nuggets for Allen Iverson. Yes, and, and, you, and in, how in, did that work out? Denver went to a Western Conference Final, and took the Lakers to six games, and uh, uh, the Pistons flamed out.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's it. It really, it really is interesting because I mean, it kind of not to keep bringing this up about like the flashy players in today's game versus the more like reserved players, but. It is like that sometimes. I mean, players want, or excuse me, fans want, like, the flashiest player on their team. But from a chemistry standpoint, shy Gilchis Alexander could get you closer to that championship than John Morant does. And it really just depends on the hierarchy, like we're talking about, and the team from a chemistry perspective.
1: Okay, so Carmelo Anthony.
0: Yeah, I mean, I agree with that. Reggie Miller. Oh, yeah, that was one I was going to bring up. I feel like that's maybe the most controversial one on this list, honestly. Uh, I don't know. He's just like such a good – I mean, these are all great players, but I'm just saying like Reggie Miller, man, like you got him on the same like tier as Stojakovic. Like I don't know. Something – I don't know. Something just doesn't quite – feel. I feel like Miller maybe should be like a two.
1: <sighs> but then if – but see, here's the thing, Landon. Then if we put him in a two, we're putting him in the Karl Malone territory. I mean, hey, they both got the same amount of rings at the end of the day. That could be <laughs> a fallback argument. That is true. I mean, oh, Carl no, Malone did has has Malone, li- Malone get one with the Lakers? Or? No, 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 no. That was the year okay. they lost the Pistons.
0: Okay, got you. But Malone
1: also has some MVP, something uh, Reggie Miller does not have.
0: That is true, but I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is, like, Miller just seems like too good of a player to be at, on, at this tier. I, I don't know.
1: That, that, that is fair. That is fair. Uh, Chris Mullen.
0: Yeah, that's fair. Great player, but...
1: Vince Carter.
0: Vince Carter. Yeah. um, He's the type of player where he played so long that I think you honestly have to clarify what part of his career we're talking about.
1: Apex Vince Carter.
0: Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm fine with that.
1: Baron Davis.
0: Yeah, um, I mean they had they had that huge upset uh, on the well, it was the Jazz, right?
1: No, the the uh, Mavericks. The Mavericks the we Mavericks, believe
0: Mavericks. Yeah, Mavericks. That um, him and uh, Stephen Jackson
1: and Matt, and Barnes, and Al, Matt Barnes. Al Al Harrington. I,
0: what was that hierarchy like? I'm not uh, familiar.
1: I think it would have been Barron and Steven Jackson as the one and two, and then Matt Barnes and Al Aaron. They were both kind of role players. but if right, It it, well, started, it started with Steven Jackson and uh, Baron Davis, who are all star caliber players.
0: Yeah, I think it's, it's fair to say that Davis wasn't going to lead uh, a team to a championship, though, and uh, I don't think he would have as a second option either. And... I don't know. I At the same time, though, I keep thinking back to the Reggie Miller thing. I, I just don't know about Baron Davis and Reggie Miller in the same tier.
1: So next up, I I, I had Steven Jackson. Okay. And then uh, Ben Wallace. Okay. Rasheed Wallace. Yeah, the, the Pistons. Yeah. Uh, Rip Hamilton, and then Paja, and then LaMarcus Aldridge. That rounded it out.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, I think it's a good list. Overall, I honestly don't have very many issues with with this list. I think it's clearly thought out. And, uh, I mean, there's at least an argument to be had, I'd say, for every position you have everyone in. And I do think I'd move. Or maybe if you had like a two and a half, I'd put Reggie Miller there or something like that.
1: And, and And what I called some players like these, I called them like high level twos were we're to kind of hierarchy the twos in the ones. Yeah,
0: le, yeah.
1: Le, like, Kev, like, Kevin Durant would be like a low-level one.
0: Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. The, yeah, the Durant one was like, I was going back and forth about that one, too. I put, like, Reggie Miller at least high-level three, Kevin Durant probably low-level one, and if you put me in a room for a half-hour with a bunch of T.D. haters, they could probably talk me into...
1: That's very fair. Landon, thank you for coming on the pod, man. I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me.
1: And once again, I want to thank Landon Rhodes for coming on the podcast. Appreciate Landon coming on. Landon hasn't come on in a while. So uh, great to have Landon on. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode, the 281st episode of Barbershop Sports Talk.